Welcome back to Primetime Kansas City. On today's episode, we're going to recap some March Madness. Mizzou's out, obviously. We kind of figured that would happen by the time we recorded this podcast. We've got a Final Four to break down, a wild Final Four. No one seeds for the first time since 2011. It's been a just batshit crazy year for the tournament. It normally is. Uh, we're going to break down Royals season opening day. we we'll go over our MLB predictions. We're going to go through every single division predict the division winner, and project who we think will come out of each league for the World Series. Spoiler alert, it will not be the Royals. Um, And then we will get into a little bit of draft talk, a little bit of quarterback rankings for this year's class. And yeah, that should probably take up the episode. Josh is not here today to celebrate the Kings making the playoffs for the first time in his fucking life. So, um, you know, he will not be here to gloat. So if you were worried about that, don't worry, because I guarantee you, me and John will not care. Um, Let's begin with March Madness. Because we also don't have to hear from him about Zion Williamson either. So Uh, we will start with March Madness because it is still March is the very is our last episode of March. And yeah, Mizzou loses in the second round to 15 seed Princeton. There was some hot takes flowing around the internet throughout that game, throughout that week following. I don't think any were hotter after that game than my good buddy John Alvey. John, uh, how are we feeling a couple weeks removed now? Uh, what's the outlook moving forward on the program? How are you feeling? Uh, all right, look, obviously, I feel better than I did that night. Um, anyone that came in contact with me then, I... I don't think was too impressed with uh, my reaction. Um, I pretty much the entire year, except for um, one night in which I would say I wasn't in the state of mind to make proper judgments. I was pretty defensive of Dennis Gates and that went entirely out of the window um, (laughs) after this one. Um, Yeah. I I will admit, I, I said some outlandish things like any, any bridge that could have been burned. I burned it. Like just, just know that. Um, but no, as I've as I've gotten back into it, um, you know, losing to a 15 seed sucks. Yes, I think I was entitled to a little bit of a meltdown because yes. a lot of times you just kind of think, okay, I've lost to a 15 seed once; it can't happen again, can it? Yes, it uh, can. And it does. Um, so yeah, that that sucked. Um, that was a really tough one to swallow, and it wasn't even necessarily the fact that we lost. Like you know, I knew Princeton was a formidable opponent. They were going to give us a difficult game. But the fact that it really felt like Mizzou was largely out of it from midway through the first half. Maybe a little run here in the second half, but very frustrating to go down like that. Um, but look, though, I still, I still, after, you know, a proper recovery period, have confidence in the direction the program's heading. Um, I actually got to go to games and enjoy the experience a few times this year, which was not something I expected to have. Uh, coming into it, even being confident in Dennis Gates. So, yeah, you know, it was a great season. Uh, We got the win a tournament game monkey off our back. We haven't done that in so long. Like, I think it was over 10 years um, to win a tournament game. So, look, the only way up from – the only direction from here is up. Um, And I am am happy with um, season one of the new era for Mizzou basketball. Yeah, it sucked. I'd say – the good thing is Arizona embarrassed themselves worse, so it, the attention kind of went more towards them than us uh, with Princeton. So that's, like, you know, like losing to a 15 sucks, but losing to a 15 in the second round, 
you know, at that point, it's kind of like, oh, shit. A little more tolerable. This is a Cinderella yeah. story. This is a team that's on a run. Losing to one in the first round is you had an elite season. You were a top eight team in college basketball, and you lost to an Ivy League school. So I do think it's not yeah. as bad as, like, the Norfolk 15 loss. And and if we're talking about teams embarrassing themselves, it, taking the shine away from Mizzou embarrassing themselves, goddamn Purdue. Like, holy shit. How the hell do you lose to a team that didn't even win their own conference? Fairleigh Dickinson did not even win their own conference. Purdue, a one seed, loses to them. And that wasn't one of those like fluke games where like a team just hit a ton of threes. They just were couldn't miss. Fairleigh Dickinson was just better than Purdue. Yeah, that is the crazy part of that, is it wasn't it wasn't like, you know, Purdue missed a million shots and the other team made a million. I think that was kind of what happened with UMBC. Um, yeah. This one was basically uh, pretty mind-boggling. And this is someone who picked Purdue to make the Final Four because I saw so many people pick against them. And I was just like, nah, the public isn't this smart. They got that big seven-foot-whatever dude. It yeah. was a dumpster fire, Jackson. They that's all That's all they had. Ball. Zach Eady was the only guy they yeah. had. And they were triple-teaming him down the stretch. He never even got an opportunity to do anything. So, yeah, he felt pretty helpless. I mean, you know, I think they're the one program that out Mizzou's Mizzou. I, I really think <laughs> you could finally say that they have done worse. They've lost in the last three years to a 13 seed, a 15 seed, and now a 16 seed. I think they have, oh because they're better and because they're more consistent, they're consistently better than Mizzou, they've now out Mizzou'd Mizzou, at least in basketball. Yeah, I think they have. I think they've done some very some very, let's say, Mizzou football-esque things yeah. with their basketball team. Some 2022 um, Mizzou football-esque bullshit. Yeah, um, no kidding. I'd say uh, it was a weird range of emotions because while Mizzou was getting their ass kicked, Kansas lost at the same, like, during that game, uh, which was weird because I was, like, celebrating that. But at the same time, like, Mizzou was getting their ass kicked. I hated that. That was, like, I wish they would have separated those. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. It was it completely ruined the usual like dopamine hit you get from okay. At least them them lot are out. You know what I mean? If your uh, rival that, loses that not... If your rival loses so while you're watching just... another game, it's just not as fun. Mm-hmm. You just don't get yeah. to enjoy it. When you're it as watching much. your own team lose. Yeah, I yeah. mean it's it's bullshit. Um it also didn't help that it had to come at the hands of Arkansas, who God, I fucking like I know people like the guy. I hate Eric Musselman so much, man. Oh, I yeah. Oh, cannot yeah. stand that tool bag. Like, ticks- I'll tell you, though, we we got the best of both worlds with that, though, because oh, KU okay. had to deal with the cringe of him taking his shirt off. Like, you have to lose, and then the other team's coach takes their shirt off. Yeah, yeah. And then he gets absolutely murdered in the next round. Uh, Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember who they played. UConn. Um, but they got cooked. UConn, yes. Absolutely cooked. Um, I imagine the same thing would have happened to KU, and they made it there as well. Uh, that UConn team is fine. insane. They're playing at an insane level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it, it was crazy. Um, and then K State, um, they go on a good run. I mean, look. To to be fair, I think you guys won the best game of the entire tournament. So you have that, um, at least yeah. at this point. And that so, Michigan State game was. Yeah, to go to the Elite Eight in your coach's first season when you're not a blue blood is insane. So, I mean, I'm sure that one wasn't – it probably sucked 
but it probably wasn't like the end all for you. I'm sure that you're very optimistic going forward with Jerome Tang. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think as a K-State fan, you kind of have to be. Um, the the thing about it, and I'll, I'll go ahead and air my, my much, much smaller at this point strife with K-State, and it's that three times now I've seen K-State lose to an eight seed or below in the Elite Eight. Um, that's a little bit frustrating. Three times you think you need to beat uh, a lesser team on paper to make the Final Four, and you can't do it. That hurts a little bit, um, but to be honest, I think this one, um, as my brother told me, uh, the other two teams were Butler and Loyola, and I think uh, FAU was much more Butler than they were Loyola-Chicago. Um, yeah. So it, it was – that, that was the Gordon Hayward Butler, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, so yeah. I mean – so, Brad Stevens, yeah. Gordon, like that team was national championship caliber. Um, yeah, that team was that team was a physics equation away from uh, <laughs> yeah. from winning the whole thing. No yeah. shit. Um, yeah, so that sucked. Um, kind of on the breadth of that, are you a guy who roots for the team that beats you to win, or roots against the team that beats you to win? Oh, dude, no, absolutely not. I am totally a roots against the team that beats me type of guy. Regardless, uh, regardless, like even like even you're gonna root for San Diego State over Florida Atlantic. Oh, uh, okay. Sorry, in this event, not really. No, I don't have a, I don't have a huge, a huge um, dog in this race. I, I thought we were talking as a general statement, like when Princeton lost. I yeah, got pretty, I got pretty excited. Um, in Super Bowl 50, uh, 56, like I enjoyed that a solid amount. Um. Yeah, Florida Atlantic, I don't know. I'm a little indifferent with it. I think my frustration is more directed towards K-State. Um, so maybe, if anything, I, I might cheer for them in this case. It's a case-to-case basis, but it is, uh, yeah. more than it. I'm just, I, I don't really have a team that I particularly want to win. I think I would prefer UConn gets knocked off somehow because I just think it would be a more interesting story. And that is a team that like we've seen win it yeah. multiple times. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... Anything. Hopefully not UConn, but if it is, like whatever. Uh, hopefully, that's that's the last priority thing for me. Yeah, I'm personally kind of rooting for Florida Atlantic to win. I want a mid major to win, so either them or San Diego State would be cool. Um, but I'm not gonna be mad at whoever wins. I like Miami. I like UConn. Three of the final four teams have never been to this fi- to have never been to the final four. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's fun in itself and yeah UConn's just kind of like the they're kind of like the New York Giants back in the day with Eli where like they'll have a mid-ass regular season but if they get in they're, they're gonna go on a run and they're probably gonna win it they're gonna knock off whoever's in their way and that's kind of how it feels I mean UConn yeah, I has not even been tested they really haven't been like nobody has even been close and I wonder if there's a reason for UConn kind of following that trend, right? Because we usually see that with, like, the Dukes and the Kentuckys and the North Carolinas of the world, where it's they, they've thrown a lot of freshmen together, had a terrible start to the season, and now the talent is paying dividends. But it seems like UConn comes out of nowhere repeatedly. Um, and I feel like that's kind of the case again, but I just find it hard to believe that they, they manage to fall under the radar like this because, hey, look, so damn good, man. Like it is, it is pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, I I just can't believe UConn's snuck up on us this many times. It it keeps happening. It really does. It's kind of an unprecedented amount. If we're gonna be honest here. Yeah, 
Um, outside of Kansas losing to Arkansas, what was your favorite? Who who losing made you the happiest? Oh, definitely Alabama. Definitely Alabama. I figured you'd um, say that. I like I had them going to the championship in my bracket, which was still alive at the time, and I was completely happy to see them lose. I think I think most people were, and I also in the last two months have attended a sporting event where I've had to watch Alabama fans chant SEC like a bunch of losers. So yeah, I am happy to see Alabama lose. They can get out of here. Yeah, it was it was very nice to watch, and I was happy that Brandon Miller played like shit the entire tournament. Justice is always served one way or another, um, and the tweets about his performance were fucking hilarious. The Twitter was absolutely eating that shit up. Um, yeah, I mean that's probably my favorite loss. I that I don't know if I could say that was more enjoyable than the KU loss, but I think it might have been for some reason. I don't know. I, I, annoying that Bama's like this good at basketball like why yeah they, yeah they, like they, fucking uh, bullshit they pick one and just yeah. be good at it you can't yeah. be this good at you, two sports you can't be just like way better than everyone else at one sport and still like the best team in another like that's horseshit um so good thing they didn't win that I think that made most people happy the other thing is did you see Nick Saban basically call out Bama's basketball yeah program? yeah like, that's how yeah, yeah. yeah yeah that dude literally has so much power at Bama that he criticized his own school's basketball program. That's crazy, man. There's nothing they can do about uh, it. Yeah, no, what are they going to do? Fire Saban? Tell <laughs> Saban what There's to do? There's nothing they like, could do about it. Yeah, yeah, I think you got it. In some ways, I find it kind of badass that he just was like, yeah, dude, oh, you know, yeah. like I am bigger than this whole thing. Um, Alabama basketball is being run like a joke. Well, one thing is, like, yeah. Nate Oates at, like, almost every other school would be, like, a god. And, like, anybody who would criticize him would be, like, shit on. At Alabama, because of Nick Saban, Nate Oates is, like, a nobody. Yeah, obviously he's a great coach, but it's, like, if Nick, if Nate Oates ever tried to brag about what he's accomplished, they'd be, like, bro, you haven't done shit. Like, look at Nick yeah. Saban. Like, it, it's not like you're at a school like Missouri where, like, if you give them the one seat, it's, like, okay, like, this guy is, you know, above criticism. It's, like... No, like you, Nate Oates is nothing compared to Nick Saban. So I, I feel like yeah, and, and simply put, basketball isn't as big a deal for Bama, right? No. So the whether even if he maybe even if he had comparable amounts of success, I still don't think it would be that close um, because that's just not what they care about down there. VCU's head coach Mike Rhodes just uh, got hired at Penn State. He was the VCU Ramblers head coach, and because of that, they will now be forced to play a future home and home series. So there's some college basketball. Oh, VCU and Penn State is that like a rule? Like if you hire someone's coach away, you have to. Uh, that's that's like VCU does that. If a if a Power Five hires one of their head coaches, they make the. Oh. So we, I don't know, but anyways, yeah. So he's that's out. Smart um, on VCU's part. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, you know who they are. Yeah. Um, okay, well, who do you think wins the tournament? Uh, UConn. <laughs> I think whoever... You know what? I'm actually going to say, I think San Diego State has an, a really good opportunity to win the tournament. I, I, that's I, think that's a, I think that's a very good shout. I think the same thing goes for really any of these teams. Like, I don't think any team is out of it. Um, they're all capable of doing something. I mean, even FAU, that's probably the least like powerful team, 
they are capable of just firing away from three. Um, that can be dangerous in any given moment. So you never know. I, I think we're in for an interesting finish. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the Final Four and Championship. I think it's going to be, whatever it is, it's going to be a matchup we're probably never going to see again in March Madness, ever. Like, it's not like uh, your last year. I mean, last year, <laughs> think about the Final Four last year, it was Duke, North Carolina, and Kansas Villanova. And this yeah, year, it's like, okay. It's 5-8 and 5-4. It's, it's going to be wild. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the Royals. Yes. We will actually start finally having real segments about the Royals. Um, I know like our three-minute, not even three-minute, like our one line that we've been giving the Royals all offseason. We've enjoyed that because we really didn't want to talk about them. But it's here. It's now. Opening day is Thursday, which this might be out. I don't know. Um, Anyways, John, the over-under in Vegas is 68.5 wins. What do you predict? So the number that I gave was 71. So believe it or not, I'm going over. Um, My basis for this is fully just that, like, there's no way the uh, the Royals pitching doesn't improve tremendously. Um, I really think, and less of that is necessarily that I think that we have some revolutionary running our pitching staff, but I think we have people that are just so dramatically better than Cal Eldred, who's been largely uh, given the task of developing and working with raw talents, which is just you know they've been getting shelled for all the last three years i think we finally have some people that are capable and should be allowed to mold and um bring up these talents so i think that there's going to be some relatively dramatic improvement um in that area and if that's done then i can't see the hitting getting any worse than it was before either um you got a lot of young guys a lot of guys that got their first uh taste of major league experience um look I don't think there's many Royals fans that aren't just very confident about what players like Bobby Wood Jr., Vinny Pascantino, and MJ Melendez can bring to the team. Um, and I, I am consciously optimistic that the Royals will improve and get to the 71-win marker. Um, and honestly, I think 68.5 is a nice number to try to attack. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I have it at, oh, God, uh probably around where you have it, I guess. I think in a great scenario, in a great season, you're like anywhere between 77 and 81 wins. I think... In... 77 and 81 wins has me like buying Matt Quattrero like year. And yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. In a good season, that's the yeah. case. In a realistic, in like a middle ground, it's probably what you said. And then in like a disaster, it's probably like 62 and 100. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. worse than last year record-wise. Um which is going to happen probably because, well, I mean, now now with the new schedule where you play every team in the league, uh, the MLB changed that this year where, like, we're, every single year every team plays every team. Yep. So we're going to see the Dodgers. We're going to see the Mets, the, Nat, or the, the Braves, the Phillies. Like, it's going to be a lot harder to win games now uh, because yeah. you're not playing the same shit over and over. You're not getting to play the athletics seven, eight times. You're not getting to play, you know. And simply like put, the AL Central is just not that it's terrible. I, I can't remember I'm, in my time watching the ALs. I think you go back to 14, 13 and 14, I think, is the best I've ever seen in the AL Central where Detroit and Kansas City were battling for the division. I don't think since then it's been a div- even close to, like, that level. Every year 
the division winner is like the three seed in the in the playoffs. They're the worst division winner, and oftentimes the AL Central only fields one playoff team. It's the division winner. So yeah, it's bad. Uh, and what's funny is it's that bad, and the Royals are never even close to winning it. Yeah, and maybe I'm maybe I'm completely forgetting here, but it, I don't think an AL Central team has made the championship series since the Indians in 2016. Um, so that is that is quite a long time to not make it out of the divisional round. Um, yeah, I I am look. I oh, by the way, I really like this addition of everybody playing around. I think I think MLB the regular season already has so many problems with entertainment value. I don't want to see the Tigers and the White Sox and the Twins and the Guardians yeah, as much as I do. It's already too much. Um, so I'm glad to see that number going down. Get some variance. All of the MLB players, you know, like the National League, American League, I'm, I'm someone that goes to games all the time, and it, it could be eight years or whatever yeah. before you get the opportunity to see one of the biggest stars in the league. Um, there's still, I don't have the names now, but I'm sure there's still plenty of National League stars that I – haven't had the opportunity to see um, whether they're just moving around um, or what. So this is a good thing for baseball, um, and I, I I like that change. Yeah. So I I think I get my record prediction right now. I think we go seventy four and eighty eight, which is the record we had in twenty twenty one. I think the Royals are much more competent within the strikeout and walk ratio. I think that's the biggest reason I've seen that they have like an emphasis on pounding the zone. That's been their thing this spring training, which where, yeah, the, yeah. where the fuck was that last year? <laughs> we couldn't have thought of that. That was, it wasn't groundbreaking, but you know, um, my hope yeah. is the season is not over by Memorial day. I hope we still have a chance by then to compete. Um, I'm not even asking to get to the all-star break. I'm just asking, can we get to June and not be terrible? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think Kansas City will end up, you know, I, I here's my prediction. I think they hover around 500 for a little bit, and then they go on a little skid, and then they go 500 the rest of the year. I think they'll be competent. I think we see big jumps out of some guys, and this is kind of just a transition year into what I think could be a wild card fight in 2024. Yeah, I, I hope you're right. Um, I... I think I saw some stat that it's like, I, I think I've told people about this every time that I talk about the Royals is coming here, but some statistic, I want to say it's just straight up like strike percentage, like what percentage of your pitches like went into the zone. Yeah. Um, like if you throw a ball and someone fouls it off, it counts as a ball for this model. Um, anyway, uh, it's like the teams in the top five have made the playoffs like every time in the 21st century or something. And the Royals were like fourth in spring training, spring training and all that decreased pressure but it's not like it's a stat like you know opponents average um so that just gives me the impression that at least the royals pitching staff is moving trending in the correct direction um because look man our pitching has been so bad it's just been so bad um the the, the bar yeah. for improvement is so low it's gonna be so like it, yeah i i really do feel like this is like mizzou basketball i really feel like you're going from kwanzo martin to dennis gates potentially i think that's kind of what i it, think that's completely possible. I don't think I'm not ready to say Quartrero is as good as Dennis Gates or as impactful because obviously we don't know anything yet, but it really can't be worse. I mean, it just can't get worse. So I'm excited um, about that. And I'm kind of excited to see what uh, JJ Picoyo does as GM this year. 
I think there's a strong chance we have a very busy deadline. That'll be interesting. Um, the more I've, you know, kind of marinated with this offseason, I'd like to pick up a Jordan Lyles. I think he can eat innings. He's he's okay. I, don't, I like Yarborough. Um, Araldus Chapman's a very low-risk signing. Jackie Bradley Jr., very low risk. So it'll be it'll be fun yeah. to, fun to see how it goes. It it can't get worse than last year. It really just can't. Last year was the least fun I've had watching baseball ever. Yeah. So I don't I don't want to horrify you, Jackson, but I must send this. The Royals, do you know what the combined war of all the players the Royals did this offseason is? So they, if you add they, the war of all of them. All of our additions. What do you think it is? Their career war or last year's war? Last year's war. Last oh year's God! War. Um, I'll go one. It is negative two. I believe it's last year's war. It could be career, <laughs> but I believe it's last. Jesus Christ! So we technically added negative one. Now on the flip side, you got rid of the, for the players for, for the players that left. For the players that left, you're about you even at war. We subtracted 0.2 war. Yes, so we yes. got rid of 0.2 war. Okay, we I'm looking at it right now. Yarborough so, had an, a war of exactly zero. So he, nothing great there. Jordan Lyles, oh, my computer's going so slow right now. Jordan Lyles had a war of one. So we're plus one right now. We're in the positive. What did Aroldis Chapman have? His must have been terrible. Um, yeah, Aroldis Chapman had negative 0.2. So we're back at 0.8, but still in the positive. Let's see what Jackie Bradley Jr. had. Let's come back. Negative 0.6. So we're back to positive 0.2. Who else did we sign? We signed Framil Reyes. Okay. Framil Reyes. I don't even remember him if he played last year. His war last year was negative 0.9. So we're negative now. We're negative 0.7. Uh, that might have been it, right? I don't. I'll have to look at it again. It was on Baseball Reference, so I. I no, but the point is, it. like, yeah, the only it's guy we good. signed, I believe, the, zero or I believe the only guy we signed with a positive WAR last year was Lyles, and he had a one WAR. Yeah. Yep. So not ideal. Not ideal at all. Um, <laughs> hey, I'll tell you the good news, though. Right? The good yeah. news about being a Royals fan is that they added the pitch clock, and now. If you're sitting out in the hot sun, family has a policy that they don't leave games early. And the Royals are down to eight nothing. Hopefully, it shouldn't take too long yeah. for the thing to come around. Because let me tell you, man, when you're bad, that's when you want a pitch clock. Yeah. I am personally hyped for the pitch clock. Um, I I like I completely understand the criticism of baseball that's too slow. Like if it wasn't a sport that I was raised watching, I don't think I would watch it. Um, at all, um, this this might change that a little. Bit. I, it's a lot of uh, It's it's probably the thing that I'm looking forward to most. Like even compared to seeing the next season of Bobby Witt or what the Royals pitching staff looks like without an absolute incompetent dweeb running it. Um, I'm I'm glad that the games should take in general like 20 minutes or whatever. Way. Yeah, I am going to kind of go in with an open mind about it, but I do have an opinion already. I think it should kind of, you know how they do the runner on second rule for extra innings, but mm -hmm. they don't do that in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking maybe you don't do the pitch clock in the playoffs or you make it longer. 
Maybe you make it longer, but quite frankly, I'm not opposed to anything that's going to speed it up. Like, my, my argument with this is that, like, I don't think that it actually decreases the product outside of the fact that, like, some people are used to it one way and the other. Like, I feel like if this just becomes a norm, it's not going to be any sort of an issue. Um, I that, think that is need, my thing. I think you need, within the first month, on both pitchers and hitters, lenience because these guys are so ingrained to doing like obviously if they're taking really long or like they're, if they're going like five seconds over you got to call it but if it's like a second or two i feel like you've got to let it ride for the first month or so just let it kind of ease in because nobody like these things you're seeing in spring training like nobody like nobody wants to see a guy get called out on an automatic strike because he fucking was like gripping his bat or like a guy walk because the pitcher was like i don't know like just like the ball hadn't gotten out of his glove yet. Like it's, you know, I just feel like they've got to be a little lenient and not make it too anal. Now, and I can, I can agree with that. The one thing I will say in response is that when the MLB introduced the pace of play rules back all that time ago, it, it did have an effect until the MLB stopped finding people for it. And then basically people stopped adhering to it. So I am fine with some growing pains as well. If it means that this is something that can be properly executed. I just personally think that, Baseball, from a neutral perspective, being 162 games and all of this, it you know it doesn't need to be three-hour ball games every single time. Um, and I am happy that we're taking provisions to change that. Um, but yes, I agree. I agree. Stuff like the the automatic strike for a strikeout, like if that ends up you know making big effects, uh, that that could be an irritant um, to the game for sure. For sure. Okay. Well, it's time to make predictions, John. Yeah, it is. It is indeed. Let's start in the AL East, where we have the reigning champion of this division, the Yankees. We have the Blue Jays, who finished second. Tampa, who finished third. A surprising fourth-place Baltimore last year, who was a lot better than people thought. And then Boston finished in fifth. Who do you look at in this division this year as the favorite to win it? I think you got to stick with the Yankees, correct? I mean, um, they, they ended up retaining Aaron Judge. Um, they're just, in general, the biggest guns in baseball, right? Um, and I'm probably going to pick them every time you present the ALE to me. I am going to go with the Blue Jays. I think they're just deadly offensively. You've got Guerrero, Springer, um, Teosco, Her- Teosco Hernandez, Bo Bichette. That's just to name a few. Pitching-wise, I think they're solid. They've got Jose Barreos. They've got Kevin Gossman. They've got, they've got some pieces. I think it's... They'll, them and the Yankees both, man, it's going to be a fight between both. But I, I mean, I, I don't know. It's going to be close. It's impossible to know for sure. But I think out of that division, you're going to see multiple playoff teams. I'd be surprised if the, the Yankees and Blue Jays don't make it. I, I think both of them will make it. I haven't been following it close enough. Has has Boston like had a solid offseason? Boston's had a little like... bit of a weird offseason. I don't think they've put themselves in contention mode. Now, I think a lot of that yeah. I think a lot of that comes down to can Chris Sale stay healthy for the first time in like three years. Uh, yeah, he's, he's largely been a no factor. If he's healthy and he's at the front of the rotation, pitching like Chris Sale, I think that does a lot for them because offensively they're good. Uh, you know, they got a guy like Rafael Devers, who's really good. But, man, they lost Bogarts. Um, Trevor Story is going to miss the season probably. With an, uh, He got surgery on his arm. So it's like, yeah, Boston's probably not going to do well in this division. 
Tampa's always like, you look at their roster and you're like, yeah, that team's ass. And then you look up in the all-star break and they're like a game out of first. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then Baltimore, that could be a sneaky team this year. They are really, really young and really, really good. Um, They rebuilt the correct way, unlike the Royals. They have, you know how many top 100 prospects they still have? Uh, Probably a bunch. They have seven top 100 prospects, and that's with their top prospects, top two prospects graduating last year. Yeah. Yeah, because that's pretty crazy, because I remember seeing the Royals are now like 29th in farm system. The Royals farm sucks dick. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, they have like seven guys graduate or something like that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks a lot, Dayton. You did a great <laughs> job, man. Uh, AL Central. Who do you think wins the AL Central? Uh, I will take White Sox. Is that crazy? I do not really know what's going on. I was a big White Sox guy last year, and they really underperformed. You were, and it didn't really work out for you, did it? No, I think I still think they had the best team, and that they were managed terribly. Tony larusa has gone now. They've got Pedro Grafal. Um, yeah, which is hilarious. I'm going to take the, the Guardians again. I like what they've got. Um, Batting-wise, really good. Pitching-wise, they're always the class of the division. I'll, I'll take Cleveland. Uh, AL West. Yeah. That's... It's probably going to be Houston again. I want the Angels to be good so bad. Like, it's a, <laughs> I want to, Fuck the Angels, bro. The, the Angels are probably going to be fourth in that division. You've got Seattle, who's really good. And you got Texas, who just added to Grom. Yeah, and I mean, this, but like, as everybody in baseball wants to see their thing, right? After that World Baseball Classic, I think we all are thirsting to see Trout and Otani in the big moments. Yeah, um, that would be sick. Yeah, it would be fun. Uh, so I'm kind of I'm kind of waiting on that, man. It really felt like a bench. I, how many times I've come and said, like, oh, the Angels are going to finally make it. Not saying it here, but I, I hope and pray they do. I think it would be enjoyable. I'm still taking the Astros in the American League West. Yeah, and I'm taking the Astros, no shit. No shot yeah, of taking yeah, anybody yeah. else. I could. The only team I could see is Seattle, who I expect to make the playoffs. But, um, yeah, no, this division's really tough. It got better, and it'll be interesting to see Houston's title defense. But there's nothing that they've shown that, you know, says they won't be back. Uh, Altuve is going to miss, like, the first month of the year, but... It's a long season, like we've mentioned many times. Um, who is your favorite to come out of the American League this year? I am going to take the Astros again. Astros again. Um, it's going to be a very interesting pick. I'm going with the Guardians to get out of the American League this year. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Love, love, love the pitching staff they have. Bieber and McKenzie is probably the best one-two in the American League. Yeah, I think that's not a terrible shout. Um, who is your AL MVP this year? Who is my AL MVP? Uh, shit. I have not given this thought. I should have. I want to say Aaron Judge again, but I think that's a little crazy. I'll go Vladdy Jr. having a crazy season. Not, you're not going Otani? No, not, go, not going Otani. Maybe that's stupid, but... Bobby Jr., man, going crazy. Okay, I mean, he's always got the potential. He does everything right except elevate the ball. He's had a problem with that. 
Um, who is your Cy Young coming out? Oh, I guess I should give mine. My AL MVP is Jose Ramirez of the Guardians, third baseman. Oh, I like that pick. And honestly, I hate that asshole. And that's one of the best parts about not having played the Guardians <laughs> as much. That guy is so fucking good. Every time. He's so good. It's, it's like, insane. There's not even any doubt that he's going to rip us. Like, Oh, he's he's the best, in my opinion, the best third baseman in baseball. He is just Yeah, I don't think you're, I don't think you're off the mark on that one. He is so good. Um, who's your AL Cy Young? Um, Brady Singer. Why was that the name that was in my head? <laughs> hey, go with yours. Let me let me let me think of some AL pitchers to pull out of my ass. Um, I predict he stays healthy and Degrom wins it. Okay, well that's who I was going to pull out of my ass. You could say um, Degrom still. There's nothing wrong. I with could him. say Degrom, but it's like if I'm going to pull one out of my ass, it might as well not be the same one as you. Um. Let's go with a little bit of. Uh, fuck it. We'll, 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 we'll stick with the Grom. We'll, we'll go Norman Pell. It's like our uh, NFL Defensive Player of the Year. We just kept going with. Uh, Aaron Donald. Like, we wanted to get one right. It's like we might as well do that. But that um, well is one. We're not going to do AL Rookie of the Year this year just because I don't know any. Um, yeah, I, the, we only did that last year because we knew. We didn't rookie. even get it right. <laughs> No, of course we did. It was Julio Rodriguez. We all picked Bobby, but whatever. Um, no shit, we did, dude. Okay, well, let's move to the National League then. And start in the NL East, which is a fucking gauntlet. You've got the Braves, who won the division a year ago. The Phillies, who won the National League a year ago. The Mets, who probably have like the best roster in baseball, from top pitching at least. They have the best one, too, in the MLB with Scherzer and Ver- Verlander. And then you've got <laughs> the fucking Nationals and uh, the Marlins. Uh, who do you got winning the NL East? Yeah, I've got the Mets. Um, it's, I feel like it's maybe their turn to get some little bit of success coming. Um, the other thing is, I really am not a fan of their owner. Um, and I feel like, like owners that I don't like traditionally do really well. Um, so I am going to go ahead and... Uh, Go with the Mets. I'm going with the Braves. Um, I think they're the best team overall in this division. And I think Acuna kind of gets back to MVP. I'm not picking him to win MVP, but I think he gets back to MVP form this year for them after kind of being – he's still good last year, but more pedestrian than he had been prior to his ACL tear. So I think the Braves take this one. Um, NL Central, similar to the AL Central, not very strong. You've got the Brewers who are – you know, they're they're in there. The Cardinals, who have won this division a few times now in the last few years. You've got the Pirates, who are a joke. The Reds, who are a joke. And then the Cubs, who I think everyone's kind of confused on what they're going to get there. Uh, who do you like? Uh, I like the Cardinals. Um, yeah. I think they keep their, their little run of dominance going. It's not like they're taking on too much. Um, but look, the Cardinals have been really well run for pretty much my entire life. Yeah. Um, and even when they don't seem like they're that good, they find a way to pull it out. So I am going to take them. Yeah, I'm going to take the Cardinals as well. I, I wish I wasn't, but to me, they, they have, in my opinion, the best infield in baseball. You've got Goldschmidt and Arenado on the corners. You've got Tommy Edmond. You've got, oh, they've got Jordan Walker now, the number four prospect in baseball coming up. So, yeah, they are so sick there. Uh, yeah, I, I think that they'll be the best team in that division. I think it, I don't think it might, I don't think it'll be that close to be completely honest with you. I think the Brewers are on the decline and 
Chicago, interesting. They signed Dansby Swanson, Eric Cosmer, um, you know, some guys, but I don't think that they're really going to be competing this year for anything other than like the last wild card spot. So yeah, uh, NL West, you got your Dodgers who have dominated this division. You've got the Padres who have loaded, loaded up on everything they can. Uh, you've got the Giants who actually won this division two years ago. You got the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. Who do you like? Who do you think I like? The Dodgers. Um, just not going to pick against them. Could have seen it's you taking the Padres. Yeah, I get that, but I don't know, man. I, I just feel like in general the Dodgers have that have those money bags going over a 162-game season. That usually ends up flexing its muscles, um, even though the Padres got the Padres have too, their, their muscles flexing pretty well, too. Yeah, no, they do. They do. They they've got a good shot. I'll just I'll stick with the form. Take the Dodgers. Yeah, I'm gonna go chalky as well and pick the Dodgers. Although I think you see two teams in this division win a hundred games. I think Padres. This is the best. <coughs> and they added Xander Bogarts. I mean, that's insane in that lineup. And Tatis is gonna be back this year, so they are just going to be an offensive juggernaut. Uh, and Eric Hosmer's out of their lineup, so that will help too. Um, love Haas, but he was not good there. So, yeah, I'm taking the Dodgers. Uh, who is your favorite? This this is a really, really good league. Who is your favorite to get out of the National League? I'm going to take the Mets. Um, mm. I, yeah, like I said, kind of continuing on that that uh, picking the villains uh, path. And also, just they, they have had ridiculous rosters, uh, what, like three years going now? Um, it's about time that ends up paying some dividends for them. So I'll take the Mets. I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to take the Padres to win the National League. I just think you have a lineup of Tatis, Machado, Bogarts, and Soto. Jeez, that's going to be tough to beat. I mean, <coughs> they're pretty solid uh, pitching-wise, too. They've got Darvish. They've got Joe Musgrove. Um, you know, I think the Padres, they might not win their division, but with this new wild card format, I feel more comfortable in picking somebody that didn't win their division to go to uh, the World Series. Who is yeah, your I, National League MVP? National League MVP, I am going to give that award to Bryce Harper. He's going to miss the majority of the season. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Um, uh, I just pulled out the biggest name I could think of. That's fair. How about Mookie Betts? That's fair as well. Wouldn't be his first... Uh, I went to write Mookie Betts down, and at capital, it autocorrected Mookie in all caps, so I must have written that when he did something pretty insane. Um, mine's going to be a Dodger, or no, a former Dodger. It's going to be a Philly now, Trey Turner. Um, this might may or may not be a lot of based off of his Team USA performance, but God, I love Trey Turner, and he's so fucking good. And yeah, I, I could see him definitely being in that conversation. Does he hit home runs now? Oh, uh, he can. I mean, he's more of a kind of a doubles hitter, gap hitter. His yeah. speed is insane. Defensively, he's insane. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of – I'll just go with him. Um, NL Cy Young. I just want it to be on the record. I got this last year. Sandy Alcantara. I was the yeah, guy. The most random thing to get, man. Like, I got, just completely random. I got Sandy last year. So, uh, there's pressure on you two this year. There's pressure on me this year to do it again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. This, you know, the issue with Cy Young is, like, 
it, it's so hard to know. A lot of times there's there's people that have that have been good for a while, and I haven't realized that they've turned to shit. So let me pull up some betting odds right now. Well, you got to think, like last year, I'm pretty sure, I wonder what Alcantara's preseason odds were last year. I should have put something on it because that would have been insane. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, it's typically a guy, I don't know, it, it, last year I don't think Alcantara would have been. Forgot, I forgot he got moved. I'm going with Verlander. Yeah, Verlander is a a solid pick. Um, but I'd like to go with a contract year guy here. I'm going Aaron Nola of the Phillies. Um, he's going to be pitching for a new contract, and I, I like to see that. That's typically when guys perform their best. So That the, is facts. We both got um, our NL Cy Young coming out of the NL East, and that makes sense. Um, okay, so our your World Series matchup, my World Series matchup, yours is Astros and Mets. Who would you pick in that series? I'm going to take the Astros. Back uh, to back. To do it again. Yeah, back to back. Um, look, this is, this is the villain series for me. These are probably... Outside of the Cardinals, this is probably my like least ideal uh, World Series matchup, um, and I would probably say I'd rather the Mets than the Astros. So I'm going to take the Astros. Um, yeah, logic 101. Okay, um, mine is Padres Guardians, and I will pick the Padres to win the World Series this year. I just think... man, Padres Guardians is a series I can get behind. I think that would be a lot of fun, and I think the Padres know they have to go all in this year considering Soto's a free agent at the end of the year, and there's just no way they have any money left. There's just no way they have any money left to spend after this year to give him the contract he's going to need. So I think they go all in, do whatever they have to do to win the uh, the World Series this year. Yeah, especially after you made that big-ass deal for him. you got to put some furniture in that house. Yeah, absolutely. So there is your... Baseball preview from guys that don't really pay attention to baseball a ton, other than the Royals. Um, you know, we keep up with some names and we keep up with scores and stats, but nowhere near the level of anything else. So we'll probably, by nature, get one right. Um, yeah, and then we're going to get Josh's and we'll post the graphic. Um, okay, enough baseball talk now. Let's move on to a little bit of NFL draft talk. And while it's still a little bit away... Uh, today we are going to rank the quarterbacks, and if you've been listening to this podcast or, or following us on Twitter at all, you know that I am like the kiss of death when it comes to this. So if I put your guy, if I put your favorite guy at QB one today, I'm sorry, but yeah, you don't know ball. I, I don't know ball when it comes to scouting these kids. I can scout... no, no, I'm talking, I'm talking to people who uh, use the same QB one. Oh yeah, they don't know ball. ball. Um, you, you know, I'm not horrible at scouting other positions. This is just the, this is just the position that even guys that get paid a shit ton every year to do fuck up. Um, so, uh, you know, it is what it is. I've got five that I'm going to rank today. John, you have three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't okay. give a fuck. I'll do five and four then. Um, by five is Tanner McKee out of Stanford. This is an unorthodox, goofy motherfucker, man. Like, this dude makes Davis Mills look normal, the way he throws the ball. If you haven't ever watched this guy, please just look up his film. It makes you laugh your ass off the way he throws. He looks so uncomfortable every time he throws on the run. But he's 6'6". I mean, he's a fucking giant. Probably goes towards it. Um, just a really insane frame. He's got 
Yeah, he, he's I. You know, there's some things that I, you know I would take him over Hendon Hooker basically because he's three years younger. Uh, but yeah, I, I he's probably like a second, third round pick guy to me. My number four is Will Levis out of Kentucky. He's a guy to me that I would not take unless he fell into the late teens, early 20s of the first round. Um, You know, I would understand if he fell to like 16 and the commanders took him. But this talk about him going top 10, top 5 confuses the hell out of me. He is mobile to a degree, but not like anything special. He's like kind of Ben Roethlisberger mobile. Well, he's Ben Roethlisberger mobile where like he always looks like he's holding in a shit whenever he's running. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, big frame again. It, I see why scouts like the kid. I mean, he's huge. He's fucking six four, just a two thirty, just an absolute freak athlete. But I don't see it. The precision, the accuracy, I didn't see it at Kentucky, and I'm not falling for the measurables again with these guys. So there's my five and four. Uh, John, what do you think of? I know you don't know Tanner, but what do you think of Will Levis? Yeah, I I do not think Will. We've talked about this before on the podcast, um, and I'm basing this largely off one game with, like, four TV watches um, thrown in, and all of those involved me being completely unaware that Will Levitz was an NFL prospect. Um, like, this, yeah. when I saw that he was, like, when I saw a mock draft and he was getting picked, like, 12th or something, like, at the start of this whole draft cycle, I was like, that guy? Um, I went to see him at Mizzou. Mizzou admittedly had a really good defense. But Will Levis didn't do shit, and I spent the whole game, um, now slightly inebriated, but I spent the whole game talking about how terrible Will Levis is. Um, and I'm going to stand by it. I think a team is going to severely regret taking him. Um, look, I, I don't have a great basis for any of this. Like, we talked about how hard it is to scout quarterbacks, um, and, like, there's totally a give and take between, like, taking a guy with, like, you know, good mechanics and good knowledge and picking a guy that has all of those like raw, raw abilities. And uh, my understanding is that Will Levis falls a little in between um, raw more on the arm side and everything else. He's kind of relying on the other stuff, but I just, I don't see any electricity from him. Um, and he's not a guy that would get me on my feet. If my organization was looking to, you know, invest the next five years around him. So yeah, I'm, I'm just not bad. This man, I, I hope he goes to the AFC East and proves me wrong, but um, I, I don't, I don't think so. If uh, I mean he's going to be a first-round quarterback, there's no doubt. Um, do Absolutely. you do? Where do you think would give him the best opportunity to succeed? I have no clue, man. Like it's kind of at this point with the quarterback situation, um, I'm really confused with like what teams want to do. Like, I, the whole Lamar Jackson thing is completely, like... Well, I mean, the Lamar Jackson, the, the difference is that these guys are dirt cheap and you don't have to sacrifice two first-round picks. But. Yeah, you don't have to sacrifice two first-round picks, that's true. But you do have to, like, basically say, like, okay, I'm committing to this project, right? Yeah. And if people commit $45 million, and I know it's a very different comparison, $45 million a year to an already proven, like, generational talent in some ways i don't know if i feel confident putting first round capital toward a dude that just like isn't remotely eye-catching or exciting at all um i don't know what maybe maybe the maybe the titans um that's a crazy one 
but could, yeah. they like to play. They like to play down in the dirt football, um, and yeah. I think that's the type of team Will Levis should go to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. If they, if they hadn't already taken Kenny Pickett, I think he'd be a great stealer. Uh, yeah. And all I mean, right. So my number three quarterback, and you've got some now. My number three is Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that is also my number three. Okay. Um, this guy yeah. is like testing me though, because. If Zach Wilson, me had, too, dude. If Zach Wilson had never happened, this guy would have been my number one. Like he, I fucking love the prospect of this kid, and he's so shit sometimes. But that's what makes me so excited about this kid. Like he doesn't even know what the fuck he's doing. He, you can tell he has no idea what he's doing, and he still makes insane shit happen. Yep. Yeah. No. That, that's exactly right. Um, I I go all over the place with this guy. This is one where I think. My football knowledge is enough to where, like, I, I can notice that there are, there are two very, very, very extreme extremes on this guy where it either goes insanely well or yeah. horrendously terrible. And if it goes horrendously terrible, it's going to be one of those things where you don't understand how. Because this guy is an unbelievable athlete. Um, like, Jackson, I think the one thing that really, like, makes me – I almost came on here and put him as my number one, by the way. Um, I just really like the stability of the other two so much. Yeah. But I feel like when you have this ability to move around the way he does and still unbelievable arm talent, there is like plenty of room for all the other shit to be terrible. And just the fact that he is this like insane athlete and all of this, that if the offense is sculpted around him the correct way, it's going to be difficult for him to fail entirely. Because um, look, he's he is a dynamic elite runner. Like he's yeah, not a Daniel yeah. Jones favorite, like part of his bag. Like he has that. Um, the look, obviously, like you said, it, the, a lot of it still looks like he doesn't know what he's doing and his footwork. Like, I don't really, I couldn't tell you on every single basis, whether or not someone's footwork is good or bad, but this guy's footwork is clearly terrible. Yes. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see. Somebody is really going to like the idea of getting the chance to be like, oh, I can fix this guy, right? But yes. I think a lot of people have also failed tremendously at that task with yes. similar people before. So we'll have to see. Uh, yeah, this guy is insane. The prospect of him is insane. Um, have you ever seen the fake pump fake that he did versus Utah? Yes. That yes. might be the fu- most crazy fucking play I've ever seen in college football. That was mm-hmm. the most impressive <laughs> thing I've ever seen. That guy is insane. Um yeah, no, he it's an it is nuts. Uh, I'm really looking forward to wherever he goes. I I hope whoever it is gives him. I would be so happy to see him go to Seattle, sit behind Geno, and then take over and have the likes of DK Metcalf and the rest of those guys. That would be, in my opinion, the best spot for him. Or a spot like Atlanta, where you give him an offensive coach, Kyle Pitts, Drake London. You know, I just don't want him going. And I think he's going to get to go with one of those teams. I really do. I don't think he's going to get stuck with Houston or Carolina. I could be wrong. Those teams might take a swing on him. But I feel like if you're one of those teams at the top of the draft, you're going to kind of do what we did. And you're going to see, yes, he has a lot of upside. No, he does not have the stability that these other guys do. Yeah. And I think you're. it's a very good shout to put him up for that uh, Geno Smith role, right? Because I think he is very much the type of guy that can benefit from that one year, no pressure, just learn type of thing. Yeah. Um, I used to be suspicious about the efficacy of that, 
Um, and look, I don't want to use Patrick Mahomes as an example for everything because it's gone so well. But I remember, um, like after the Super Bowl, DJ Kissel telling a story about how that training camp when Patrick Mahomes threw like ten interceptions in yeah. one day, yeah. and everyone was like, "He shit." And he said one of those interceptions, like Matt Nagy came over and like gave him a high five. They were like celebrating like after an interception, and DJ asked them why, and they said because he got the protection right. And I think that kind of changed my perception on this is that you can really get the opportunity to not worry about all that other stuff and just like specifically learn and grow. And I think that opportunity is something that Anthony Richardson is going to greatly profit. I think he has great potential to crash and burn if he's just thrown into the fire on day one. Because some of that, some of his schools are just so wrong. Yeah. Unlike the other two guys we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, you know, I, I believe he'll go top ten. I really do. I just think somebody's going to take a swing on him. I think he's worth a risk. I think he goes top five. I think he's worth a risk. Um, my, who's your number two guy? So my number two, and I deliberated on this, but I'm deciding I'm going to go with a little bit more of the chaos mode. My number two is CJ Stroud. Um, yeah. yeah. So Me I too. don't want to hear who your number two is. Me too. Um, okay. Yeah. I believe yeah. he's going number one. I think. From everything I've heard, I do Carolina's going to take him, and I don't blame them. He's, a, I'll say this, the most impressive performance any quarterback, I think, since Lawrence versus Bama his freshman year has put up is C.J. Stroud's performance against Georgia last year in the playoff. They didn't win, but I've in the last two years, nobody has made Georgia's defense look like that except for Bryce Young. And Bryce Young did it. In the SEC championship game, CJ Stroud hung over 40 on that defense. Like, it, he is an insane playmaker. He got so much better throughout last season. He is, he's going to get a lot of Justin Field comps, Dwayne Haskin comps because he went to Ohio State. He's his own player. He's completely different. He's so, so much more accurate than Justin Fields was coming out of Ohio State. I really like the guy, and I just feel like this guy is going to be the guy to come out of Ohio State and break that stigma. Yeah, yeah, I can't agree more. Um, at number two, like, it's it's pretty impressive that this guy's the second. I think we have an interesting case in the NFL and in the NBA where you have Scoot Henderson somehow being number two. I think in a lot of drafts, this guy's consensus number one. He's oh, last year, gonna he's, last year he's going yeah. number one, no doubt. Yeah, and I think I think still a lot of people have him number one. I'm not arguing with anyone who does. I think he probably gets picked number one. Absolutely. Um, but he, he, the other thing for me is just like there's so much composure there. I know that's like a cliche or whatever, um, but you can tell there was nothing phasing him in that college football playoff game. There's something to be said for like his last his last little performance for us was that one. It was yeah. very eye catching. Um, and it was very stark to those Michigan games where he kind of struggled. Um, yeah, he, he just doesn't do anything that I'm, I'm cons- that makes me concerned about him, right? Um, it's very well-rounded. Uh, character seems to be tip-top. And, yeah, he can, he's going to get those Justin Fields comparisons, like you said, because he has that running ability. He has a little bit of um, dynamic ability there as well, like we talked about with Richardson. Um so yeah, he, he he has all that and the brilliant accuracy, and it's very difficult for me. 
envisioning a situation where he doesn't have a pretty nice NFL career. Yeah, hundred percent. I I'm bought in on him. Um, and then number one, I would have to presume for you is Bryce Young. Oh, it's Hendon Hooker. Yeah, okay, okay, yep, that's what I thought. Stetson Bennett, number one. No, um, Stetson Bennett, number one. Hey, <laughs> Max Duggan. Uh, no, Bryce Young's my number one, and I'll let you go first on this one. Yeah. Um. So, Bryce Young kind of made me uh, eat my words. I went to the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, and before the game, I told my brother that Bryce Young is a quote-unquote certified bust, um, and that he sucks. And not even that coming from a perspective of having seen him play, because I knew he was pretty good, but I was just on a bit of a Bryce Young hate train. have to respect it. Um, I don't know if you watched that game, but he absolutely did just some witchcraft on K-State. Um, it was, like, basically knotted up until, like, the second quarter, and Alabama went into half with, like, I think a three-score lead because Bryce Young just kept dotting people um, like it was nothing. He he has it all, right? Like, he has brilliant arm talent. He he can move, like, as, any, as good as anyone else and clearly has just a very, I think, the strongest, the smartest quarterback of all of these. Um, the, obviously, the concern is his size, right? And I'm going to just put that to the side. Like, I'm too concerned. I think if there's a single test in college that um, is going to see how well you can weather that that problem of being five foot nine and pretty light is to play quarterback for Alabama, um, and he's pretty damn good at that. So I am pretty confident in this guy, and I simply put him at number one because I just think the tools are better than anyone else. Like I think he's has the best arm talent um, and is a brilliant mobile quarterback as well. So it's hard for me to envision where he doesn't have um, have success. I feel like him and C.J. Stroud are both kind of tap-ins. They have enough going for them that I think they're ready to go this year and they could, they could do something going forward. Yeah, I mean, he is just a freak athlete. I mean, he's just unbelievable. The things he can do, he makes something out of nothing all of the time. He's like Anthony Richardson. Uh-huh in the playmaking department, but he doesn't make the stupid-ass mistake. He doesn't do dumb yep. things like Anthony Richardson does. Um, and where I feel as if in the past, a lot of Alabama quarterbacks were getting carried by Saban's supporting cast. I feel like this was the first Alabama quarterback to carry his supporting cast. I'm not so sure Alabama reaches double-digit wins either of the last two years without Bryce Young, especially this past year. They went 10-2. and two. I don't think there's a chance in hell they win 10 games without Bryce Young last year. Because yep. even in the games they lost, they put up 49 against Tennessee <laughs> and lost to the Volunteers. And then they lost to LSU in overtime on a two-point conversion. Like, he was Alabama. And, yes, in the they do have great receivers. But it, I don't think it's the receiver rooms of the past where it's been like Henry Ruggs, um, Jerry Judy, you know, those types of players – You know, I think he really just made it look so effortless. And, yeah, size is the one thing I've heard all about. 5'11", though, I mean, it's not that bad. Like, Drew Brees was 5'11". It's not that big of a deal. And if you're going to be smaller, being mobile is huge. And, you know, Drew Brees wasn't mobile, and he survived all that time. In a tougher era to survive as a smaller quarterback, might I add. Uh, He was, you know, today's era... You're not allowed to hit the quarterback like that. So 
I love Bryce Young. I would take him number one if I had the choice. Um, him and Stroud, to me, are in a tier of their own. And, yeah, I think if I'm Carolina at number one, I'm strongly considering taking Young. And if Young's there at number two, the Texans would be ridiculous to pass on him. Yep, I would tend to agree, man. And I think it's it's honestly hard. It's it's one of those things where two good choices is such a difficult decision. Um, and if you're picking in one of those one of those spots, I think some prefer to be number two because then the decision isn't on you. Like it's like I did what I had to do, right? I'm the second team up. They took the other guy, so I'm taking I'm taking Stroud or I'm taking Young. Um, yeah, because it really is razor thin, in my opinion. It's it's you pick your poison. Um, from all the information that we have, like they're they're both so good and so difficult to identify one as being, you know, that much better than the other. Yeah, um, it's it's going to be interesting. I think I, I think Houston's not a horrific landing spot. It will take time for that to become a good one, but I do think that they have pieces. They just signed Dalton Schultz. They have a new coaching staff. Um, they've got Damon Pierce as a running back, you know, I've Laramie Tunsil at left tackle. That's probably more important than anything. Uh, you're going to get blindside protection. Um, I don't think they're a horrible spot. I think Carolina's a solid spot. They're obviously adding some pieces. Obviously they won't have DJ Moore anymore, but uh, you have Frank Reich, who I think is a solid offensive coach. I think he got done wrong by the Colts. Uh, he's kind of the scapegoat there. You're going to have some pieces yeah. to work with yeah. there. I think, I think the Colts royally messed that up, by the way. I was, I'm going to say, I think the Colts are the worst landing spot for a quarterback this year. I think you're going into a a um, situation with a rookie head coach. You're going into an organization that has, like, dog shit weapons around you. Michael Pittman Jr. is the only receiver slash tight end worth noting. Yes, you have Jonathan Taylor, but you have a below-average offensive line. Defensively, it is what it is. And you've got a terrible owner. Jim Irsay is an idiot. So I think that's the worst spot to go. Someone's going to end up there, but that's the worst spot to go, in my opinion. I think Vegas is a good spot to end up if you're a rookie this year at quarterback. You're going to sit behind Garoppolo, most likely, who will probably get hurt throughout the season. You will step in. You will get Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs, an offensive coach, and Josh McDaniels. I think that's a good spot to land. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anybody else that, like a team like Atlanta, they don't pick till eight, but I think they're a solid option. Um, yeah, I think Indy's the yeah. worst spot. I'm looking around right now. I, I Seattle would be a great spot as well. I know I brought it up. Being a backup is not a bad thing. And supposedly Indy's the only team interested in Lamar, so maybe... Maybe all the young guys will get spared that. <laughs> Hopefully. Being a young guy is, or being a backup is not a bad thing. I think that's what you have to understand is if you go to Seattle, if you go to Vegas, you're probably going to be QB2, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yep. I would tend to agree. Did Especially you see, if it's behind Jimmy. Did you see today the plan in San Francisco going into next year? Uh, okay, so I saw there was some contra- controversy with it, but I got distracted and didn't like read the whole thing. What what is going on there? So they've announced, or I don't know if they've officially announced, but the reports coming out are that heading into next year, they're going to have a quarterback camp battle between Sam Darnold and Trey Lance for the starting quarterback job. Sam Darnold? <laughs> I know. 
Like, how? Are you joking? No! Like, is, do they hate Brock Purdy? Well, Brock Purdy, they're not sure we'll be able to play next year. Oh, that's right, dude. But right. the fact that that job is just not Trey Lance's is really, really telling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The fact that they, they've identified Sam Darnold as the guy to compete with him is crazy. <laughs> like, clearly there's something there that they don't like. I don't know if it's work <laughs> ethic. I don't know if it's just he's not good. But there's something there that they are not very thrilled about when it comes to Trey Lance. Yeah, yeah. Evidently. Um, and look, that's another team that I just can't understand. Do they not want to win a Super Bowl? I feel like <laughs> the gamble that Lamar stays healthy, and if he does, like, how is Kyle not winning the Super Bowl? Yeah, that's like um, the perfect spot for Lamar Jackson. The run offense, yeah. come on. Yeah, with Debo, and like, like, it would be ridiculous. That team would be favored to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, it would. It would be if they got Lamar. It would become favorites. My thing with them is, how are you going to be willing to give up all those picks for a running back, and you won't give up picks for Lamar? That is. That's the other thing, man. Like they gave up a haul and a half for Christian McCaffrey, who is injury prone as all hell. But I don't know, man. Some people just are really sold on that, and it's kind of crazy. Um, speaking of trades, um, what do you, it's not gone through yet, but what do you think of Rogers to New York? Uh, yeah, I think that Rogers to New York is going to be, for one, like, I think there's still a lot of things that need to be talked about there. We were talking about this tonight. Who has, who actually has the leverage at the moment? Like, what's the hall going to look like when the trade does come? And is there a scenario where, it doesn't happen. Like, is that possible? Yeah, that'd be, um, that'd be uh, that would be a hell of a crazy ending. It wouldn't be the craziest Aaron Rodgers story. <laughs> yeah, and it wouldn't even be close. It would um, be probably the end for the Jets general manager. It would probably be. Yeah, unless yeah, he got Lamar, absolutely. it would probably be the death of him. I mean, I would I would sack him. That's for damn sure. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, if they do get him. I think the Jets become a very interesting team. Um, they were already a pretty interesting team last year with that like weird hodgepodge of Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson, and Mike White. Um, so, yeah, and whoever the hell played after those guys, um, I, I think that there's something interesting to be said about that. Um, and it makes the AFC East one of the most interesting uh, divisions in all of football. That's for damn sure. Yeah, um, it, it is interesting. I think what I'm hearing, what I've seen on Twitter, um, what I've seen on you know from reporters is it's not that far off from happening. It's just kind of a little bit hold up right now. Um, I think with the you know I don't know if you saw the Jets traded Elijah Moore to Cleveland uh, mm-hmm. in exchange for a second round pick. I think now with two second round picks, it makes the deal easier to get done for New York. Um, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. You would assume at least a second round pick. Like, I, there's no way, in my opinion, that no, I agree that he goes for anything less than a second round pick. Um, I've seen, you know, the stuff like the Jets want protection that if Rodgers doesn't play next year, they get the pick back. If he does play next year, it becomes a first. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting. Um, I'm throughout all of it, just excited for Jordan Love, but. That receiver room in Green Bay is so bad. I mean, it's the the guys they have aren't bad. Christian Watson 
has the potential to be a superstar wide receiver. We saw that in the second half of last season. Um, Romeo Dobbs has an opportunity to be a great complimentary wide receiver. That's all they have. They actually have one other receiver on the roster who was a seventh-round pick last year. That's it. They don't have another player on the roster. Forget, like, just like, they don't have another guy who was, you know, played before. They don't have another guy on the roster. And they lost... And they lost Robert Tunyon. Like they, what the hell is the plan there? It's going to be interesting. I, I am assuming they're kind of waiting on the Rodgers deal to get done before they can do anything else. But it needs to get done because I feel if that's what Jordan Love's working with next year, oh, my God, it is going to be poverty. Uh, we'll see. I hope Green Bay gets like a veteran wide receiver or something to fix that up. Yep. Yeah, well, we'll. We'll have to see about that because my hopes for Jordan Love to be uh, really good are definitely hampered if if the Packers are going to be running with that squad around them. That's it would be sure. so fucking hilarious if Green Bay took a wide receiver in the first round this year after never doing that one time. Yeah, that would be pretty funny. If, after never, funny. never doing it <laughs> with Rodgers. They spent... Their first-round picks in the Rodgers era, they had two. It was an offensive lineman and Jordan Love. That was it. In the last yeah, ten years, cool. nine of their first, nine of their last ten first-round picks have been often have been defensive players. The one offensive guy has been Love. They are a you know a defensive team through and through. That's what they try. And the fucked up thing is, they haven't had a good defense in that entire span. They haven't had one. So it's like, oh, oh. oh my God. Like, they, it, it's whatever. Uh, I'm going off on a Packers rant right now. But. No, that's all right. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm just anxious. I just want the deal to get done at this point. I don't really care what else happens. I, I'm just ready for the deal to get done. All right. Maybe last topic. I don't know anything else, but I got to ask Chiefs wide receiver situation. Predict what they do. Um. Well, obviously, you've got. Sky, Kadarius, and MVS, who should be on the roster to start the year. Um, so that gives you at least something to begin with. I believe they draft one within the first three rounds that will probably get significant snaps. Um, and I believe they sign a veteran wide receiver. I don't yeah. think it's Odell or DeAndre Hopkins. I think it will more so be a guy like a Jamison Crowder, who has just been around yeah. the league, is cheap, is affordable, is experienced, and wants to win. I think that's basically what you do. You pair that with Kelsey. But the Chiefs have completely, I think, and it's fun to say this now, I think getting their ass kicked in the Super Bowl was the best thing that could have ever happened to that franchise because it taught them how to be successful in the long run. The speed and the deep ball and the big play bullshit can't last forever. What can last forever and what can sustain success is being tough as piss up front on the offensive and defensive lines. And you've seen that in the past few years be prioritized, and you've seen it again this offseason. What's the first move Brad Veach makes? He goes and gets a left tackle. He goes and gets Jawan Taylor. It's in, what's, what else does he do? Go gets Charles... Uh, um, God, I cannot say this guy's name. It's going to be tough to figure this out. Charles Aminu? Is that his name? Uh, dude from San Francisco. Yeah, something like that. Get a pass rusher there. You re-sign Derek Nottie. Um, you go and the defensive side of the pole, they've hit on hard. They've got Drew Tranquil, Mike Edwards. 
they have completely shifted their identity from the first Super Bowl win, and I think it is for the better. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Now, I will say the the first Super Bowl team was pretty tough up front too. They became um, tough. The up second front. Yes, one, they did become tough up front. But the second one, yeah, definitely had that issue. Um, yeah, I I am thinking I'm kind of on the same as far as the wide receivers. I'm kind of on the same thing. I think Odell is definitely a possibility. Like, I see a lot of reporting that says we're in that, but I think that's more dependent on what Odell ends up doing. Um, I assume we just have a number for him, and that's kind of our thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I think you definitely have to, no matter who you get, get one in the draft, right? Because that still to. isn't a position that you can let go, you know, unnoticed, right? Like, we've seen plenty of teams struggle because the quarterback has no one to throw to even if they have that good offensive line um, and a strong tight end. So, you know, we'll have to see. But uh, what do you what do you think the potential is for a first-round wide receiver is? Hmm. It, it's interesting. I have looked at this, and there's a couple guys I would be down for. I look at it, and I look at guys who I think would be available at 31 because I'm not sure the Chiefs are going to trade up again like they did last year. They don't really necessarily have the picks to do so. Uh, Quentin Johnson out of TCU is probably the number one guy on a lot of people's boards. So I let's say he doesn't make it. Uh, Jordan Addison out of USC. I like him. Don't think he'll make it. Uh, Kishan, is it Butte? Is that how you say it? Out of LSU? Uh, I think it's something like that. He's he's solid. I could see him falling to 31. I'd be interested. The one guy I feel like you have to pull the trigger on if he's there at 31 or if he gets within a 10-pick range is ja- uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think you really, really, really have to look at that. Um, He was like a consensus top five pick before getting hurt last year. I mean, listen to how absurd this 2021 stat line was. He had 95 catches, 1,606 yards, and nine touchdowns. That was as a sophomore. I mean, that that was in a wide receiver room with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. He did that with both of them there. Um, And then this year, obviously, he gets hurt, only plays in three games. So... I'd like to see him, um, but at the same time, I would love to get a big body receiver because Sky and Kadarius are you know slot type of bodies. MVS is a lengthy guy, but not a really girthy. Not a really, he's not huge. That's why I like a guy like Quentin Johnson, six four two fifteen. Real, real. I, I I'll say this right now, a guy that I could see them a hundred percent taking, Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss. This guy is built six two. 220 full of muscle, consistent production. Uh, I would not be surprised if they get him. He'd be more of a second, third round guy. But uh, yeah, and, and we're going to talk about that a lot heading into the draft, I have a feeling. So I'll save some yeah. of my wide receiver crushes, yeah. Zay Flowers up there as well at Boston College. But uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, they haven't, they haven't given Mahomes a big receiver the whole time he's been here. Yeah, not um, a big body. Like, no, yeah. No. Which is why when everyone wanted DeAndre, and they still do, you know, like, and I'm, I wouldn't hate the move, but everyone who's like begging for DeAndre Hopkins, I was saying, we haven't even had that type of receiver, and we've won two Super Bowls. Like, I'm not saying it would hurt, but I, I, I'm down to go get more of the guys who I can send across the middle. Yeah, no, I agree, I agree, I agree. I think that's I, I have trust in Brad Beach on this one. Yes, too. and I, I think that's what it ultimately yeah. comes down to, is. Do you trust Brett Veach? I do, and there's no reason anybody shouldn't at this point. 
anybody that wanted to say he was writing, you know, John Dorsey's coattail, he was writing those picks. At this point, that's irrelevant. The 2021 and 2022 drafts were crushed by Brett Veach and his staff. So I'm excited. Um, we're under a month now until the draft begins right here in Kansas City. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a cool experience to see that happen. Yes. Cannot wait, man. Cannot wait. Real quick, outside of wide receivers, this biggest position of need, I would say edge. It's edge if Karloftis doesn't develop, um, which is a tricky situation because it's hard to know. Um, yeah. Nose tackle, too, is kind of one, too, I think. I would love to put a, a good nose tackle next to uh, Chris. Um, yeah, I don't think there's a huge... I, I would still I say... I could, man, it's, yeah, nose tackle is probably, a right tackle, I could still argue that. I know they probably feel comfortable to go forward with Kennard or Nyang there, but I think if the right yeah. player fell to you, um, I think if the right guy fell to you. And also, I mean, it feels like you're fine there, but I wouldn't hate adding another defensive back. Um, oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It no wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And um, also... I know we've got some good tight ends. Obviously, we've got Kelsey, and then we've got some good depth pieces. Wouldn't hate to pick a tight end in this draft either. There's a few ones. Obviously, you're not going to get the Notre Dame kid, but um, everybody else probably you'd have a shot at. guy named uh, Davis Allen out of Clemson. Watch out for him. Uh, he'd be like a fourth, fifth round type of player. I like him. So just, uh, yeah, wouldn't be shocked to see them get a depth piece of tight end either. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. And I've heard it's a good tight end draft as well. So, it's solid. Very... There's, there's probably going to be a first-round. Michael Mayer uh, out of Notre Dame is looking like he's going to be a first-round pick. So it, it looks like, yeah, there is some solid, some small school guys. Uh, of course there's a tight end coming out of Iowa because, like, for some reason that's just, <laughs> that's the only fucking, uh, tight, that's like tight end university at this point. But, mm-hmm. yeah, um, man, a lot, lot to look forward to. Yeah, there is. All right, I think it's time for B Ford. Yeah, it is time for Mr. Ford. Um, it's a good thing we did this a good time past the Mizzou loss because I feel like you would have uh, <laughs> said some things you wouldn't have uh, been happy with later. But uh, Yeah, well, luckily, luckily the, the one team I follow that we don't talk about on here at all has been an absolute, like, hilarious dumpster fire. Oh, past, Tottenham? Like, two yeah. Weeks. So, I, yeah, my D forward is a little recap of their horse shit, and I'm curious to see what you would think of this situation if it was translated to the NFL or one of the sports we talk about on here. Okay? This is, this is, a, bit of a, this is a bit of a ride, all right? Okay, and I'm ready, I'm ready for the ride. Um, yeah, I can, I'll put this into, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, 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 okay. I, I don't, I'll go all the way back to uh, the day that Mizzou lost, and this is the morning of. I don't know if you witnessed, but Tom blew a 3 1 lead, and the manager basically held a press conference where he yelled that all the players are selfish and that the culture of the team is like having no pressure to win and that all the players enjoy not having pressure to win. And then he basically like screamed all of this, stormed out, and then didn't talk to the players after the game. Okay? Okay. So we go to a, we go to a one week break. All right, in which uh, there's no playing. So we, we subsequently took an entire week to fire this manager, okay? Now, in this time period, apparently, 
two of Tottenham's biggest players that they spent a combined 100 million pounds on to sign in the past 18 months basically told the club that they're going to leave if they don't fire Antonio Conte. Okay? So they did that. Now, this is where the true circus comes. This is just a precursor to the madness. Now, through all of this, okay, Tottenham's uh, director of football, which is the soccer equivalent of a general manager, okay, he and his former club has been convicted of basically cooking the books, like, you know, fraud. Um, and he has a three-year ban from operating uh, for football teams in Italy. And to- today, today, that ban was extended to the entire world. So he is not allowed to do anything in the sport for three years. So he's, he is, he is being, and, and in, in a couple of weeks, there's going to be another trial that will determine whether or not this investigation is going to become a criminal investigation. And this is, this is, is this, and you're talking about Conti right now? No, I'm talking about the general manager. Okay. Okay. General manager. Okay. Just clarify. So this general manager. Now, to make things extra interesting, this general manager additionally insisted that we didn't fire him. He was very insistent on this. Like I said before, upset all the players. And now, it's been announced that he's not allowed to coach or not allowed to operate for three years in any in any capacity. He has to sit out. And it's pending whether or not he's going to have a criminal invest- a criminal trial. Okay? Now, yesterday, Tottenham released a video, eight minutes of him talking about the status of the team and how he's excited to move forward and all of this. Now, Jackson, let me ask you this. If it came out that your general manager was not allowed to coach your or to work on your team for three years and he's about to be investigated for criminal activity and you saw your team post a tweet saying a statement on this general manager what do you think the what, statement Mom? would say if you okay, had to I'm guess. still recording sorry say that again john okay if you if you knew that your that your general manager was banned from operating for three years and your team released a statement saying a statement on our general manager what do you think the statement would say? It would like, probably be like uh, he's no longer uh, affiliated with the organization, and we are sorry for his yeah, actions. Exactly, exactly, right. That's, yeah. that's the first thing you would think. Now, now, Tottenham released a statement saying that they are dumbfounded by what has happened, and that they are <laughs> seeking clarity on the situation. <laughs> and this is all in conjunction with reports that this guy that is going to not be allowed to do anything for three years is currently the one responsible for finding the next coach of our team. He's still responsible? Yeah. He is, so this guy, who we know is a criminal and just now has been given a ban from doing his job, Tottenham is continuing to let him operate and release a public statement <laughs> saying that they are confused about what has happened. I, I can't believe. I just... I, I truly like if, if if an American team did this, I I think it would be like ESPN would be going insane about it, right? It would be every every topic would be if Brett Veach was actually a criminal and I also was doing a shit job at his job and he wasn't getting fired. Imagine the things people would say about Clark Hunt's priorities. Yeah, it would be unbelievable. So there's my fourth thing. kind of one, but you ever think that your American sports team is poorly managed? This shit makes Dan Snyder look like a genius. I was going to say, this is literally Dan Snyder, but without the general manager tag. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. And without the, you know, the, the sleazeball side of it that Dan Snyder has. Um, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. That's craziness. Um, and yeah, but, you know, I thought Mizzou maybe is shit and that Eli Drinkwitz is a mistake and all that, but this thing can compare to knowing that the guy running your football operations is a criminal and not just firing him. But I, and he's done a job. Like he's doing a bad job. So yeah, uh, yeah that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that, John. I'm sorry to hear that. Longest it's a... D four of the week. Longest D four of the week. But if anyone was wondering what's been going on, that's uh, that's what it is. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't have anything that can quite match that. Um, <laughs> I will go with Pat Riley because I'm sick and <laughs> fucking tired of this bullshit I'm watching out of the Miami Heat. Um, look, it's been a pattern in the last four years. Okay. Let, let, let me take you back to the year of 2019, which I think everybody blocked everything before COVID out of their brain, but I'm going to make you remember the heat signed Jimmy Butler that off season, make a big splash, right? And what happens? Well, they improve drastically. They do really good. Um, obviously the bubble is kind of a weird thing, but they still make the NBA finals and they're losing six. They're two wins away from winning an NBA finals. Okay. So what happens that off season? The Heat don't do shit. The Miami Heat don't do <laughs> jack shit. They run it back with the same fucks. They give Duncan Robinson a stupid contract. They, and it's just, oh. Anyways, so then they run it back, and what happens? They go, like, I think 39 and 33. It was a shorter season, and they're like a sixth seed, and they get swept in the first round. They were middle of the pack, and they got destroyed. Okay, so Pat learns from his mistake, Correct. He goes into the offseason. What does he do? He trades for a true point guard in Kyle Lowry. He says, Kyle Lowry, we need to make a splash. We were me- mediocre last year. Let's go get Kyle Lowry. And so he does that, makes that move. They make some other minor move. They get P.J. Tucker. They make some moves. What happens? They're the one seed. They're the best team in the Eastern Conference. They go to the Eastern Conference Finals and are a three-point shot away from going to the NBA Finals. So we Which go to the offseason. So we go to... The offseason again, right? And surely, surely, surely Pat Riley has learned his... Surely he's learned from his mistakes. Nope! This fucker did nothing! Nothing! They didn't sign. I shit you not. They did not sign or trade for a singular free agent the entire offseason. Not fucking one. Not a singular pity minimum vet one. They didn't do shit except let P.J. Tucker walk. Well, what's happening? You fucking guessed it. They're middle of the pack again. And guess what's going to happen in about a month? They're going to get fucking swept! Probably by Milwaukee again. It's going to be fucking dreadful, and I'm just so sick of this shit. And the dude, like, we talk about Sleepy Joe. Can we change that to Sleepy Pat? Because this motherfucker was probably sleeping the entire trade deadline day away. You know what the best part is? This is pretty shit. I'm like, I agree. But if it came out today that Pat Riley is a criminal and he's not allowed to do his job for three years, what is the first thing the Miami Heat would do? Fire him. Fire him. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that's shit, man. Some, John, some we are living in a fucked up universe where the Clippers and Heat are worse than the Kings. I don't know yeah. how the fuck this happened. And I'm saying a lot of curse words right now because I'm angry. But I don't know how this happened. But we are living in a world where Josh has the best NBA team out of the group. And I cannot stand that. 
Yeah, I can't either. Well, good news is I think this has been like a 90-minute podcast. So I don't This has been does. a 90-minute, 91-minute, about 92-minute podcast yeah, at this yeah. point. No, but it's it's classic. That's fine, man. Yeah. Look, some some just really can't get it together, and we're dealing with it. Thank God the Chiefs got it together one time because that's really all it took. I mean, even if we fucked up a bunch of times, it would still be pretty fun. Like, we'd probably still have one Super Bowl. <clears throat> Thank God. Yeah, well, this has been Primetime Kansas City. Next time we talk to you guys, it will be April. Goodbye. Thanks.